Hear the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the districts of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, We hear them in our own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. And they all continued in amazement and great perplexity, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others were mocking and said, Eh, they're full of sweet wine. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice and declared to them, Men of Judea, and all you who live in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and give heed to my words, for these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. But this is is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. It shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my Spirit on all humanity. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, there are days in our lives when what has been fades away into what new thing there will be. For me, the first of those days in my life was the birth of my oldest child. Uh, As Debbie labored... Uh, for 22 hours, I'm standing there helpless, hapless, uh, totally unhelpful because I'm trying to get her to breathe and she's just looking at me going, yeah, right, I'm going to kill you. Uh, and as our daughter Beth was born, it was this f- fantastic moment 
As she appeared in the world, she appeared with her eyes wide open, looking around. And I realized in that moment, everything that had been in my life was prelude. And everything going forward would be different. We all have those moments in our lives. It may not be the birth of a child. It may not be a graduation event. It may not be anything all that special in the world's eyes. But for us, it was that moment of change, of transition, of what once was leading up to this moment and the future breaks open and you see all the possibilities. That's what happens in Acts chapter 2. There's one view of Christianity that says from Jesus' ascension until His return is parenthesis. It's, it's, a, it's a moment in God's economy where we wait for Him to finish the work. And so the church eh, really isn't all that important, doesn't really matter all that much because this is all parenthesis. What God was up to before Jesus and then with Jesus coming and with Him dying on the cross and then rising from the dead, when He ascends to heaven, He basically calls a great big time out. And we wait for His return. That's one view. Another view is to say His ascension and those days of waiting that the disciples undertook until this moment, until Acts chapter 2, becomes this time in the life and witness of God's faithfulness where He says, now a new age dawns. Now a new day begins. Watch out. Something wonderful is about to take place. The story of Pentecost is the story of a new day dawning. We in our American culture love the idea of a new day dawning. We love it so much we've put it in our money. Uh, the great seal of the United States, Novus Ordum Selectorum, a new day now begins. We want that. It's part of who we are as a people. We anticipate that there will be a, a moment in history when what has happened sweeps us into what will be. And for us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, that day is the day of Pentecost. It is that moment when the Holy Spirit fully shows up. Pentecost is the festival of the harvest. It's the, time, it's the season in, in Judaism, uh, Temple Judaism, where you gather from around the world and you bring the first fruits of your offering. And you bring them to the temple and you say, God has blessed us abundantly. I hope we are blessed even more. And it is on that day, Pentecost, 
the harvest when Jesus, when the Holy Spirit shows up. But it is not what we in our culture are used to with the Holy Spirit. Because we, we kind of like our Holy Spirit quiet. You know, Holy Spirit, if you could, if you could just kind of keep the noise level down. Don't, don't, don't make a ruckus. Well, Pentecost is a great big ruckus. Pentecost is this moment where the Holy Spirit explodes onto the scene. And it's noisy and it's heated and it's controversial and it challenges preconceptions about public behavior and whether or not we see folks as intoxicated or not. It's also this as Luke tells the story, not just this local phenomenon, but it's this global explosion as he recounts where all of these folks in Judaism are coming from as as the Holy Spirit delivers. It is a global reach of God's mighty acts we read in this story. And so we have in this moment of Pentecost two competing points of view. Uh, uh, The Holy Spirit has shown up and now they're just drunk. And Peter, it falls to Peter. Of course it falls to Peter. Who stands up and says, nope, remember the book of Joel. Remember in that prophetic story where Israel is undergoing destruction and and crisis and disaster only to be delivered. And in that deliverance, there comes this amazing moment. And the prophet Joel says, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Those who are too young to have a voice will have a voice. And those whose voices should have been spent will speak again. God will keep speaking to us. God has ushered in a new age, Peter says. He's ushered in new ways. He's ushered in salvation. The promise of deliverance has been made whole this day, Peter says. The promise that God made to Israel over a plague of locusts hundreds of years before is true again in this moment, in this heated, holy mess called the day of Pentecost. If Christmas is when God shows up in Jesus, and Easter is when when Jesus rises victorious over evil, then Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit of Christ comes in power and joy to create a sustaining and sustainable church. Not a parenthesis. The day of Pentecost isn't a punctuation indicator that God's taking a coffee break for a couple of thousand years. 
It is instead God has given birth to a new people. Not a people founded on ethnicity. Not a people founded on politics. Not a people founded on the control of one gender over another or one way of doing things over another. But a global people. A people of God. Able to do God's work in the world. Able to fulfill God's mission of redeeming the world. The day of Pentecost is all about the church being created as a sustaining and sustainable instrument of God's mission to change the world. And so God's at work in a variety of ways through the day of Pentecost. God's at work in our lives as an act of harvesting. God is always at work gleaning from our lives helping us understand how to bear fruit and then harvesting that fruit for the goodwill of others. God is at work in our lives in messy and noisy and conspicuous ways. God doesn't just work quietly in our lives. God works in messy ways in our lives. All you have to do is sit in a small group at Madison Street Church to see the ways God works in messiness in our lives. God is at work in our lives in ways that are local and global. The day of Pentecost wasn't about putting on a pair of blinders and saying, well, only Jerusalem matters. And it wasn't just saying, oh, you know, God loves the whole world, so I'll worry about the big picture. It was a reminder that God speaks in the particular and in the global. That God calls us to be people who are focused on our neighborhood and see the world as our community. God's work in our lives will be confusing. People won't always get it. People will look at us and say, really, seriously, you think God's up to something in your life? I think you've just had too much beer. (laughs) Or too much pizza. Or too much whatever. God's work will create confusion. It'll confuse us. We'll go, was that really God speaking to me? Or was that just too much to drink last night? I don't know. We'll need to sort that out but God's at work. God's work in our lives creates a new day. It's not just the same old, same old. God is constantly calling us to renewal, to change, to take that which we've done in the past and reframe it, renew it, restore it. God's work in our lives breaks down established barriers. There were clear barriers in Judaism. If you were a good faithful Jew, practiced kosher table and been properly circumcised and kept the Sabbath, you could go into the the temple. You didn't do those things, tough luck. Judaism, Second Temple Judaism was a 
a bounded set with clear rules about who was in and who was out, and there wasn't anything you could do to change that until the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost comes along and just wipes out the barriers and says, we're one people of God. We're one people of God in Bangladesh and in Belfast and in Burundi and in Riverside. And God's work in our lives saves the world. We think of ourselves as a tiny little church, just a little church, the church we dare you to find, the church that's not too keen on program. In fact, we're kind of allergic to programmatic hype. But what happens here on Sunday mornings and what happens in our small groups and what happens in our mission teams, those things change the world. Not because we do things on a great and mighty and wonderful and glorious scale here, but because as they change each of us, there is a rippling effect that touches the lives of others, that makes a difference in other places. And if you think that's not true, then you need to go to Bristol, England, or you need to go to Dhaka, Bangladesh, and you need to go to the MCC office in Dhaka or to, or, or, or to uh, uh, St. James Baptist Church in Bristol and say, hi, I'm from Madison Street Church in Riverside. And they will know who you are because the work we do changes the world. Pentecost matters. It's the, it's the holiday in the Christian church that we don't decorate for, that we don't make a fuss about, we don't give gifts or dress up or eat anything special, but it may be the most important one because it's the one where we know with certainty God is at work in us and through us and because of us. So this morning, some questions for us to think about as we live in this new age, this, this new day that is now dawned, this day after Pentecost. When was the last time God was a hot mess in our lives? I mean, when was the last time God really mucked things up for you? Maybe you're in that right now. I, I don't know, I could guess, but... Seriously, when was the last time you just went, oh, oh, God. When was the last time something outside our usual sphere of influence truly mattered to us? When was the last time it mattered in the headlines, really? When was the last time something halfway around the world mattered, really? Not when was the last time we caught the royal wedding. Just when was the last time it mattered? 
When was the last time we were, sorry, we were misunderstood for living out the Gospel? When was the last time we were misunderstood as we lived out the Gospel? If people aren't confused by what we're trying to do, maybe we're not trying hard enough. Maybe we're playing it a little too safe. And when was the last time we celebrated, really celebrated, God's work in our lives? Questions for us to think about. Questions for us to wrestle with. One more thing. Henri Nouwen says it really well. Without Pentecost, the Christ event, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus remains imprisoned in history as something to remember, think about, and reflect on. The Spirit of Jesus comes to dwell within us so that we can become living Christs here and now. Without Pentecost, everything's just a holiday. Pentecost makes it real for everyday life. But there's one more, one more thing this morning from uh, that great theologian and budding preacher, Ryan Scove. (laughs) And he gave me permission to uh, use this. He's written somewhere, I am the intersection. I can gel with the crazy Pentecostal that knows the tangible presence and power of God, but I refuse the association with anti-intellectualism or idolatrous ideologies. I can jive with the theologian who seeks powerful mental understandings of God and faith, but I refuse total deconstruction, head knowledge over heart, and doubt that doesn't resolve in faith. I can rage with the prophets who are brokenhearted over the injustice of the world and the church, but I refuse to sacrifice the conversion experience or separate the Spirit from justice. I am the intersection. Brothers and sisters, we live in the post-Pentecost world in the intersection of God at work to change our neighborhoods and our world, but requiring our involvement, our engagement, our participation. The church is not a parenthesis waiting for Jesus to return while God is on a coffee break. The church is God's sole vehicle for changing the world. God help us. I don't understand why He did that. But that's what He did. He decided that groups of folks like us gathered like this are going to change the world through Him. What are we going to do about it?